Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Shannon Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. How many of you have been here for the first two teachings of this series? Most of you. Okay, so we don't have to review that much. We have been talking about God's way, his way of doing things. I'm just going to review with you real quick where this comes from. It comes from Isaiah 55, 8 that says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we've been talking about exactly what are God's thoughts and what are his ways, what does that mean? So we have a Bible dictionary of what that means and what that is referring to right here in Isaiah 55, eight. When it talks about God's thoughts, that word in the Bible dictionary actually comes from a verb, which is very interesting because today we think of thoughts as a noun, as something that is, is tan- as a thing that we think, but in this reference, it's actually a verb. It is a word that carries action. It refers to, a, to the process of thinking, but it is God's way of thinking, and it says in that, dic- in that definition that it refers to a purpose that is firmly fixed. So we understand that when God thinks towards us, his thoughts carry purpose, amen, and that those thoughts are firmly fixed, which means they cannot be moved, they cannot be altered. So what God has said in his word that he thinks towards you is set and guaranteed, amen? Amen. And we talked about his ways. The Bible dictionary in Isaiah 55, 8 for God's ways is that it refers to a path or a journey. It suggests a pattern of life. We talked about what a pattern is. A pattern is a combination of qualities or tendencies or characteristics that come together to make a consistent arrangement. So again, we're not talking about one-time moments here. We're talking about patterns in our life. So God's pattern of living how he does things. It is a consistent set of characteristics and tendencies. So we understand that when we, we, we're studying this verse and we're studying these two areas because we know that we were created in his image, amen? When we accept Jesus into our life, we become identified with Christ. We become one and the same with him. He moves to the center of who we are and our natural self moves to the side as he begins to take on more and more of us, amen, and we become more and more like him. So it's important to understand the way he thinks and the way he acts, his pattern of life, because we were created to think the same way and to act the same way, amen? Now, it's a process of development. We talked about that last week, that as we go through life, as we develop over time, that we become more and more like him. We get better at thinking like him, and we get better at acting like him. So we have to constantly learn and develop and learn 
and develop. And it takes a renewal of our minds. You see, a lot of us come to God and we only experience a certain portion of the abundant life that he intended us to live because our level of expectation will not allow us to believe for the full manifestation of the abundant life. Why? Because we have false ideas about the way that God is going to think or act. So it's important that we understand the truth about the way God thinks and acts. Now, we talked a little bit about that God's actions today are different than they were before Jesus went to the cross. Amen? Because he went to the cross, we have the privilege and the honor of living under the new covenant. And everything under the new covenant is centered and founded in grace. Thank God. It's centered and founded in love. Amen. So everything coming towards us from God, his way of dealing with us and the things he thinks about us are all centered and founded in his grace and his love for us, amen? So we're in the world, we're not of the world, and we are learning to live at a higher level, amen? Think like God and act like God. So we talked about what, how could we describe God's ways? We went into detail, but for those of you that weren't here, we said that God's ways are good, they're forgiving, they're generous, they're loving, they're grand and big, they're powerful, they're guaranteed, they're eternal, and they're not subject to this world. So I wanna encourage you, if you were not here, to get those teachings so that you can hear in detail what that means for you. Because to be able to change your way of thinking and your level of expectation for God, then you need to understand exactly what the word says about who he is, amen? Amen. So we're gonna get into tonight a little bit more about God's ways. We are continuing to renew our mind. Last week we went through a couple of them. We said with God's ways, we're not subject to the temporary. We live under eternal expectations, amen? With God's ways, you accept a master, but you are no longer a slave. Amen. With God's ways, you give up your life, but what? You find a life. Amen. The God kind of life. With God's ways, you give, and as a result, you get richer instead of getting poorer like the world would tell us. Amen. Amen. So tonight, we're going to continue. If you're taking notes, we would be on number five here, and it's with God's ways, if you die to self then you live. With God's ways, if you die to self, then you live. So when I'm walking in the pattern that God has laid out for my life, when I die to myself, then I gain life. And what that means is I gain eternal life, amen? Eternal life, the Bible de definition of that is, is that it's an everlasting, endless life, a term that describes the salvation that God bestowed on us, a term that, that, that describes the salvation that God bestows on us. I love that because, you know, when, when I initially read those words, eternal life, just like many of you, I'm sure that the picture that comes into my life is that that means I'm going to live on and on in heaven forever and ever, and it does mean that, amen? Amen. 
But we know that God's salvation does not wait until we get to eternity. God's salvation is for the here and the now, amen? So that endless, everlasting life begins now. It begins in this moment. So when I die to myself and I accept Jesus, then I gain the power of all of his salvation for me now. Now. So I die to myself, but I gain eternal life. Christ comes alive in me when I gain eternal life and he stays alive inside of us forever, amen? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mark 8.35 says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So when I give my life, I die to myself, I push aside all of my natural worldly thinking and I remove my trust from the world system and I place it in the eternal life, in the power of the salvation that God describes in his word and that is guaranteed and unshakable and unchanging, then I gain the real life, amen? Amen, number six. In God's ways, when I am weak, I am actually strong. When I'm weak, I'm actually strong. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content even in the weakness, the insult, the hardships, persecution, and calamities, because when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, it doesn't matter when we function in God's system, it doesn't matter how weak we feel in the natural world. You know, the Bible says that we wrestle against principalities and powers, that we are constantly fighting a spiritual battle. So in my physical body, in my natural world, I may be in a position of weakness. I may have been knocked back on my back. But in my eternal life, which is my real life, which is my here and now life with Jesus Christ, I am actually strong even in those moments. I actually walk in his power even in those moments. What does that mean? That means that in order for me to experience that strength in those moments, I have to quit putting my trust in the natural circumstances that I feel and experience and put my trust in what the word says. It's not an easy thing to do. We all know it. Amen? We go through things, we experience things, we feel things. 
You know, physically today, I felt like this was going to be really hard for me to get up here and do this, but I can't place my trust in the physical feelings I'm feeling in my body. I have to place my trust in what the word says that says that he is my strength. When I'm weak, he makes me strong, that no matter what is going on or what I am feeling, if I will focus my mind and my thoughts, because we all know that our thoughts are directly connected to what we experience, amen? If I I will focus my mind and my thoughts and my speaking on what the word says instead of what I'm experiencing in the natural world, then I will become strong because the only thing that exists in God's ways is strength. Amen? So even when we're weak, then we're strong. Even when we've been pushed back, we can rise up in strength, amen? Because God will make us strong no matter what. The next one. With God's ways, we don't receive punishment. We receive grace and favor. Grace and favor. With God's ways, we don't receive the, the standard punishment that we should experience. You know, I, I, I think it's incredible because, you know, we, we teach in church and, and thank God more and more churches are preaching about God's grace and talking about it and that he's a good God and that he'll accept you and he'll love you and all of that is true. And he'll let you go to heaven, of course, no matter what you've done and, and, and his grace is upon you all the time. But what I love about when you really understand God's grace is that you understand that you constantly live in that grace. You constantly live under God's system and God's way. I experience it all the time, things that I forget, mistakes that I make, and I know God's grace is alive in that moment because I don't experience what I should have experienced because I forgot or because I didn't get to it or because I got too busy or I didn't pay attention. God's grace goes before me and it intervenes, amen? It makes a way for me, amen? It constantly makes the consequences less, amen? It constantly gives me favor, amen? So see, when we live under God's way, when our pattern of life is established in his way of living, then we walk in a constant state of grace. A constant state of grace, not just in our eternal salvation, but in our day-to-day. Today, when I was studying this, you know, I was thinking about how so many people live and we want to experience God's grace, but we don't give God's grace. We don't extend it the same way. You see, we're not just talking about God's ways because of what it means for our life. We're talking about God's ways because of what it means our life should be like. What it means our actions should be like, amen? So, if I expect to experience God's grace and favor on a constant basis in my life, then I need to be ready to give out God's grace and favor, amen? To extend that grace and favor. You know, I tell people all the time, I, I, you know, I deal with people who are upset about different situations and, and, and I always try to find that moment where I can say to them, you know, please understand, please understand that they had a lot that they were dealing with 
that they had their own set of circumstances and stop and think for a moment, what was their intention towards you? Was their intention to hurt you or was it a mistake? Do they deserve some grace from you the same way you want grace when you forget to do something for your boss? Do they extend to your, ch do your children deserve a little bit of grace from you when they forget to do something the same way that we expect grace from our children when we forget? Well, let's be honest, we all forget. Do our spouses it, it, it deserve grace from us? When we have a bad morning or we rush out or we snap or whatever it is, we have to be willing to extend the same kind of behavior as our heavenly father, amen? We need to mirror his ways. That's what God is talking about here. So I encourage you, you know, as you listen to these things to use them almost like a checklist for your own life. Are you extending the same behaviors? Are you acting like God in your own life? Or are you just expecting to receive that from your God? He's called us to live like him, amen? So if I deserve, if I don't get what I deserve from my heavenly father, then other people shouldn't get what they deserve from me. They shouldn't, amen? People should get extra grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. How awesome is it to be known as the person who willingly forgives and gives the gift of grace, amen? I wanna be known as that person. I don't wanna be known as the person that everybody's afraid of. There is no real power in that. If there was real power in that, then God would scare us into serving him and scare us into going, into, you know, going to heaven. Instead, he just gives us love and more love and grace and more grace and more love and more grace and more love and more grace. So I encourage you to be the same way. John 1.16 says, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. There is no end to God's grace for your life. And with that grace comes the power of walking in divine favor. In divine favor. Listen, I wanna encourage you today to live your life expecting divine favor, to live your life believing for God's divine favor. It is an output of his grace towards you. He will make ways for you where there seems to be no way. He will open doors that are obviously shut, amen? So you believe and you expect to live in a level of divine favor. Number eight, under the world system, one plus one equals two. But with God's ways, the numbers don't always add up. You see, under the world system, there are mathematical formulas and predictors that tell us whether or not there is a chance for us to win. That's why in sports, at a football game, we don't let one guy go out to play against 11 others. Amen? It's... It, it's undoable. We know what will happen no matter how talented the one guy is. In the world system, if I owe $20 and I only have $10, then I'm $10 short. 
But oh my goodness, with God's ways, the numbers don't have to add up. The numbers don't have to add up. You can be the one guy on the football field. You can be $10 short, and your heavenly Father's going to make a way for you. Amen? Deuteronomy 32, 30 says, how could one have chased 1,000 and two put 10,000 to fight? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. You see, when you are living under God's patterns, you have exponential multiplication power at work in your life. The Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So even when you're the single guy over here and it doesn't make sense and you're facing a wall of enemies, God can give you the victory, amen? God can give you the victory. See, this is a great example of renewing our thinking. Because in my natural mind, it would be difficult for me to believe that God can turn numbers that are so exponentially out of balance in my favor. I can't even have a faith for that because my natural way of thinking tells me that is impossible. But see, in God's ways, one person can defeat a thousand, two can defeat 10,000, amen? So the numbers don't have to add up. So if we place our trust in God's way, then our power is multiplied. Joshua 23, 10 says, one man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you as he promised. Why does God's way work that way? Because it's not about you. It's not about your natural world-like characteristic. It's not about your physical strength like it is out on the football field. It's not about your single ability. Your ability is of no importance because it's not you fighting the battle. God is fighting it for you. Amen? Amen. So with God's way, he fights for us. And we know that his power is so grand and so big that it can't be measured or even counted. Number nine, under God's ways, no matter how bad the storm, no matter how hot the fire, no matter how crazy the wind or the rain, you always have protection. You see, in the world, there are certain things that happen that can almost guarantee death, destruction, or the end of something. In the world, when our lives come under attack, it can appear that loss is almost always guaranteed. But with God's ways, you have protection even in the face of danger. With God's ways, you have an eternal nature that can't be stopped by natural forces. Amen? See, when the fire got really hot and death was, in, it was absolutely imminent, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego called on their eternal maker. They understood that, that there was one way to survive that fire, and it was God's way. When Daniel was in the lion's den and his death was imminent, he called on his eternal maker. Why? Because he understood 
that there was one way to defeat the lion. Now, in his natural body, there was no way he could defeat the lion. Amen? We all understand that. But with God's ways, remember, the numbers didn't have to add up. It wasn't about his strength. So he could still have protection even in the midst of that storm. When the seas roared, Jesus called them, calmed them. I love this verse, Romans 10, 13, in the Message Bible. It says, everyone who calls help God gets help. Everyone who calls help me, God, gets help. Your God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's not a part of his way of doing things. So no matter how hot the fire is, no matter how big the lion is, no matter how rough the storm is, no matter how crazy it all gets, if you will cry to God for help, then you will get help. Amen? You will constantly remain protected. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will. When I submit my thinking and I submit my natural way of doing things to what the word says, then when I resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee from me. But again, it goes back to a renewal of my expectation. It goes back to a renewal of my thought process because the reality is a lot of times when the fire gets really, really hot, our thinking goes nuts. Our thinking gets crazy. So I'm standing there and I'm saying, hey devil, get away from me. But I'm so full of fear and doubt and I have a low expectation of whether or not God is actually gonna come through. So I don't see the man manifestation always in the way that I should. And I believe that what this verse is trying to tell us is, is that I have to change my level of expectation. I've got to renew my thinking so that when the fire gets really hot, my thinking is secured in the fact that Jesus said that his thoughts and his ways carry purpose that is firmly fixed, that no fire can melt, nothing can change, amen? So when I speak to the devil, then he will flee from me. Amen. Second Timothy 4.18 says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, from every evil deed, and he will bring me safely into his kingdom. You have promises. We're, we're learning about the nature of God and time and time again in 2 Thessalonians 3.3 it says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. Uh, every verse that, I mean, there's lists and lists of verses that go on and on. We don't have time to read them tonight that remind us that it is God's way to keep us safe from harm. It is God's way to keep us free from the attack. It is God's way to offer us protection, amen? So we know he not only will keep us protected, but he goes before us and he fights our battles for us, amen? Amen, number 10, in the world's way, the report can be so bad that it appears that any change or way out is impossible. But with God's ways, the impossible is possible. The impossible is possible. You see, we don't, it, when, when we live under God's ways, we don't have to believe the physical reports 
or the reports created by man that we hear. We're not subject to the tests or the machines or the results of this world. With God's ways, we can choose. We can choose to believe the report of the Lord. Amen? Why do I say choose? Because again, it comes back to your way of thinking and your level of expectation. When, the, when you get those bad reports, do you choose to put your confidence and your trust in the piece of paper or do you choose to put your confidence and trust in God's ways that are so clearly outlined in his word that tell you that it doesn't matter what the piece of paper says, what matters is what God says. You have to choose to believe the report of the Lord. With God's ways, absolutely nothing is impossible. Nothing, nothing is impossible. In fact, all things are possible through him. All things are possible. Luke 1.37 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 18.27 says, but he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe the doctor gave you some horrible report. Listen, I just wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you tonight. The horrible report is gonna stay as long as you keep believing and trusting in the horrible report. You have absolutely nothing to lose by choosing to believe and trust in what the word says, amen? Because remember, no matter how the bad the report of this physical, natural world is, the report of the Lord is always good. The report of the Lord is one of possibility. The report of the Lord is one of things are turning around, amen? So choose to believe in the report of the Lord. With God, all things are possible. Number 11, in the world's ways, we can try our best to succeed, we can try our best to be victorious, but victory is never guaranteed. How many of you have been at something and been so faithful at it and just really done everything you could possibly do and you still lost? It still didn't work out. Hey, I can remember, you know, when I, when I was growing up, my brother and I played tennis and I mean, we played a lot of tennis. We were serious tennis players. And we put our best effort in. And one time my dad took us to a tournament and it's a funny story now that we look back at it, but it wasn't too funny when it was happening. We got to the tournament and we had been really faithful. We had practiced really hard. We had worked really, really hard. And I was probably 12 or 13 and Jared was probably nine or 10. And we walked out there and I got placed playing against an 18 year old and Jared got placed against a 16 year old. So all the faithfulness and all the trying in the world wasn't gonna do a whole lot of good. The guy that Jared played was literally like twice his height. It was horrible, it was devastating. Our matches ended in like all of 20 minutes. It was just like dodge the ball, you know, cause they were coming at you. It was not a fun experience at all. 
So no matter in the, in the natural world, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we work at something, the victory is never guaranteed. But with God's ways, victory is always guaranteed. Victory is guaranteed. You see, the Bible says that God created you for victory. He predestined you for victory. With God's ways, even in the face of defeat, when the final bell's about to ring, your victory can still be just around the corner. Amen? God did not design you to fail. He created you to win. He created you to be a winner. He predestined you to be an overcomer. Amen. Remember, I love this song. We all sing it. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when I'm under God's ways, whatever is in the world, I'm greater than. When I'm living my life subject to the pattern of God's way of doing things, then greater is he that is in me than anything that will come against me. Amen? So my victory, my overcoming is guaranteed. Romans 8.37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Not just that you're a conqueror, you're a more than conqueror. A more than conqueror. So let's change our level of expectation here. Let's change our way of thinking. Let's stop believing that we're just going to kind of be okay. And let's expect to be a conqueror and then some. To live at a more than level. To experience life at a more than level. Amen? Because God says, I am more than a conqueror. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph who always leads us in triumph. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? Number 12, in the world's ways, life is full of stress and chaos and disorder. But with God's ways, life is one of decency, order, and peace. I think that of all the things that I hear from people in counseling sessions, this is probably the biggest one. They live their lives in a constant state of chaos and disorder and stress and a lack of peace. We know in his word, and we're going to read some of the verses, that God says that he did not design us to live that way. He designed us to live in a position of peace. And he says that everything should be done in decency and in order. He doesn't mean just that when I go places, it should be done decently and in order. He means my life should operate on a day-to-day basis in decency and in order. So if God's way of living is one of decency and order, it is void of chaos and stress and nerves and emotions that are completely out of control. It is, it is a life that is a life of peace and calm and order, then I understand that I should not be living my life like on a roller coaster, amen? 
You see, God did not create for us to be up one day and down one day and up again the next day and down again the next day and every, every other day is a good day with my husband or a bad day with my husband or a good day with my kids or a bad day with my kids. That's not the way God designed you to live this life. He designed your life to be in order. He designed it to live, to be in a place of peace. You see, when we live under the world's ways, it becomes difficult to control our minds. In fact, a lot of times our minds play tricks on us. They cause us to be double-minded, to be unsure of the decisions we need to make because we're focused on the earthly circumstances that we're encountering. But with God's ways, we can have a sure mind or a sound mind because our life is orderly, amen? With God's ways, there is peace no matter what surrounds us. There is peace no matter what surrounds us. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Philippians 4.6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, you know, since, since the day that my mom went to be with the Lord, this verse has meant so much to me because my mind and my heart and my emotions has tried on several occasions to get completely out of control about losing my mother. But I confess this because I understand that God does not expect me or did not design me to live from this point forward upset or worried or fretful or scared or lacking peace. He, he designed my life to be in order and in peace, amen? So although the devastation of losing my mom is unexplainable and the emotions that I feel are unexplainable and a lot of times out of control, then I just turn to God and remember that when I focus on my eternal nature, my eternal nature says that I can live with a peace that passes all natural understanding. All natural understanding. So see, in life, you may experience things that are so hard and so stressful and so devastating that they are difficult to process, but you understand that even in the midst of that, if you will focus on your eternal nature, if you will believe in the eternal value of God's way of doing things, then his peace, which surpasses all natural reasoning or understanding, will come to fruition in your life. Amen? John 16, says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Number 13, in the world, people saying bad things about you can destroy you. It can ruin your reputation, and it can manipulate and harm your relationships. But with God's ways, the lies and the gossip that people say about you will be proven wrong and brought to an end. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment will be condemned. Will be condemned. So when people set out to verbally destroy your life, 
to intervene in your relationships, to spread bad things about you, to talk ugly about you, to ruin your reputation or manipulate dynamics in your life, then you just step over into God's ways, amen, and you believe that God said that he will quiet those that speak against you, amen, that he will prove you to be in the right, amen? That being said, when I live under God's ways, then that means that I'm not the one who is gossiping and spreading lies about other people, amen? I'm not the one who entertains that. Look, it's easy to do. It's real easy to be somewhere and people start, amen? And to engage in that conversation. But when we live our life patterned according to the way God lives his life and his pattern or way of doing things, then we remove ourselves from those situations. We don't engage in gossip, amen? We don't spread lies and jealousy and all that kind of stuff about other people. I believe that gossip is simply rooted in just plain jealousy. Every time I've heard stories about, you know, people and whatever, if you, if you trace it back, it always comes down to one thing. People are jealous of the person that they're talking about. And jealousy is a dangerous thing and it's definitely not one of God's ways. Proverbs 14, 30 says, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Jealousy makes your bones rot. So let's stay away from gossip, amen? And let's not be consumed or worried about people talking about us because we know that our God will prove them wrong. Amen? Amen. We're almost done. In the world, once something is gone, it is lost for good. But under God's ways, even what is lost can be restored. Even what is lost can be restored. The Bible definition of restoration is the returning of something or someone to the original intended state. In the world system, when something is lost, it can be lost forever. In the world system, when you go bankrupt, a lot of times you lose something forever. When you lose your spouse, a lot of times you lose them forever. But under God's ways, just because something is lost doesn't mean that it is settled or final. In God's ways, there is always a hope of restoration, amen? There is always a hope of restoration. You know, the Bible says that he promises us that whatever the devil has stolen will be paid back to us and then some. And then some. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal. Joel 2, 25 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Isaiah 61, 7 says, Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Amen? So let's believe that whatever the devil has stolen from us is just temporary here in the natural world because we live under God's ways that God is in the process of restoring all of that back to us and then some, amen? Amen, and our final one. In the world's ways, when a person passes away, their life comes to an end. But with God's ways, when a person leaves this earth, it's simply a relocation. Amen? Amen? I love this because I know that my mom is waiting. <laughs> In fact, I know she's here. 
I know she's here. She's here with me. That lessens the hurt a lot, amen? It lessens the hurt. You know, today I was at the doctor and they were doing a sonogram and my thoughts started immediately. God, I can't believe I'm doing this without my mom. I, I wish she was here and I just, I can't. And that's the devil, you know. He's trying to focus me back on that. And then, and then I, I was walking out and I was putting Emery in the car and it was like God just spoke up inside of me. Your mom saw that sonogram. She knows exactly what's going on. She's right there. She's just relocated. But because she's in the eternal in the eternal world, she has access to everything that's going on. You see, she's present. Amen? Amen. We know that 2 Corinthians 5.8 says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's to be present with the Lord, and we know that God says that He has total access to our entire life. So he's present with us 24-7. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He knows the thoughts we think. He, he sees every move we make. He knows the number of hairs that are on my head and, and how they change from minute to minute when one falls out. So, so I believe that my mom is rejoicing in that same ability with him and that she, she has access to our life here. So that's what's so awesome about God's ways because with God's ways, there is no end to life. It is everlasting. It goes on and on and on and on. And this temporary time here on earth is but for a moment. But for a moment. And then we'll all be together again. Amen? Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Before we dismiss the service with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to talk to a few people who are here tonight. Maybe you came here and, and somebody invited you to church, or maybe you just showed up here and you're not sure why you're here, why you're here exactly. Well, I believe that this is the reason why you're here. You see, to even begin to live under God's pattern of life, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, this is not some big, complicated process. You see, the complicated part has already been done. Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross for you. When he died, he bore all of your sicknesses and all of your sins. He made a total exchange for you so that you could live a life experiencing God's incredible grace, his forgiveness, and a life of victory and one free from sickness and disease. When you accept Jesus into your life, not only does he uh, guarantee you an eternal life in heaven, not only does he guarantee you that you will live all the days of your natural and uh, eternal life with him, but he promises you access to his way of doing things here on earth, to access to the God kind of life or the abundant life. So maybe you came here tonight and you've heard this message and you're thinking, how do I start that process of experiencing some of what you talked about? Well, this is your moment. It is your moment to just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to live with you. He is totally unconcerned with the mistakes you made. He does not care. He loves you unconditionally and will welcome you into his home. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you would say, Shannon, I need to know Jesus. I need to accept him in my life. 
then I want to pray with you. All I'm going to ask you to do is if you just slip your hand up in the air as a sign of your commitment to Jesus, I will pray with you. I see those hands. Maybe you came here tonight and at one time you actually prayed the prayer of salvation and you accepted Jesus into your life, but something happened and you got distracted. Maybe something, something you know, occurred in your life and you got off course. Then I believe that God brought you here tonight so that you could reconnect with him. He is not judging you. He is not upset at you. He just wants you to come back home. So if you came here tonight and you need to recommit your life to Christ, would you just raise your hand with your every head bowed and every eye closed so that I can pray with you? Just raise your hand up in the air as a sign of you recommitting your life to Jesus. I see those hands. Now I'm going to ask every person who is here to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my life. Tonight... I submit 100% of who I am to you. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you to live with me from this point forward. Thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.